Welcome to Midas Touch Legal AF Special Edition by Popular Demand. Ben Micellis joined by my co-host, Michael Popak, bringing you analysis from this morning's oral argument in the Supreme Court case, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, a direct challenge to the abortion rights precedent established by the 1973 Supreme Court ruling Roe v. Wade and reaffirmed by the Planned Parenthood versus Casey decision in 1992. Michael Popak, your immediate reactions to the oral argument and the justices' response thereto. Abortion as a constitutional right pre-viability is beyond on life support. There's just not going to be with the supermajority conservative vote. There's just not going to be based on the oral argument that went on for almost two hours today, enough votes to preserve the Roe v. Wade, Planned Parenthood versus Casey structure around the constitutional right of pre-viability abortion. Full stop, period. The vote is going to break down almost the way you and I talked about it over the summer. Roberts, based on his questioning, Chief Justice Roberts, looks like he's going to be on the side of keeping the abortion right pre-viability in Roe v. Wade and in Casey, but pairing it back from the present 24 weeks of the demarcation of viable versus non-viable and rolling it back to Mississippi's 15 weeks. We know that because he even asked lawyers on both sides, but mainly the lawyer on the side of the abortion right, why isn't 15 weeks enough? Uh, why can't a woman get a decision by the 15th week? And so it looks like he's trying. The questioning was not so much a real question for which he wanted a response. It was a signal of his position to the other nine justices. And more importantly, or more directly, a signal to the only two justices that may be in play. This is exactly the way you and I described it this summer. If he doesn't get Gorsuch or Amy Coney Barrett over to his side to keep abortion, but limit it to 15 weeks of viability, if he doesn't get those votes, then it's over. And it will be a no longer be a constitutional right to pre-viability abortion. It will be a state by state decision. And 26 states already have geared up and ready to go to ban abortion in their state if they're given the green light by this U.S. Supreme Court. Justice Kavanaugh asked why overturning Roe v. Wade? And it wasn't so much a question as his position on the matter, asked why overturning Roe v. Wade would not be in keeping with, quote, the most consequential cases in the country's history, including those establishing racial equality, Miranda rights, and marriage equality. As Justice Kavanaugh said, that's all overruled precedent. Amy Coney Barrett discussed gave statements. We can say they were questions, but they were more statements saying that uh, at this point, women should just rather than avail themselves of a constitutional right of abortion, just focus on adoption, 
uh, was one of the questions that she asked. And she, and she no, said, no, 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 not just adoptions, safe havens, meaning abandonment of your child without repercussion. She said now that there are safe haven laws in every state allowing someone who can take an unwanted pregnancy and just donate it at the local fire department. Why isn't that enough? Why do we still need the abortion right? So Popak, tell us where you see the votes lining up, maybe go through each of the justices. Obviously, you had Sotomayor, Kagan, uh, and basically the writing was on the writing was on the walls that they knew that uh, Roe v. Wade was likely going to be overturned in this ruling. And their defense to that, to me, seemed to basically be saying, Okay, you do that. You plan on do that. This institution, this Supreme Court has no credibility anymore. So you go ahead and do that. You've destroyed the United States Supreme Court. So maybe Popak, talk us through what those justices said and where the votes are uh, lining up. Yeah, well, let's start with the vote count. You've got, based on the oral argument and just their past rulings, in the camp that would keep Roe v. Wade and Casey in place and intact, allowing for pre-viability abortions from 24 weeks below, you have firmly rooted Stephen Breyer, who led a lot of the aggressive questioning of the attorney general for Mississippi today. He led off. It really started with Breyer. And then it got picked up by Sotomayor, who had one of the classic Sotomayor lines today, exactly what you just said, Ben. She said, and this was a question, but one of those not questions. This was her declaration, her line in the sand. Sotomayor said, will this institution of the Supreme Court survive the stench that this creates in public perception that the Constitution and its reading by the Supreme Court are just political acts. Now, um, the sponsors of this bill, the House bill in Mississippi, said we're doing it because we have new justices. The newest ban that Mississippi has put in place, the six-week ban, the Senate sponsor said, we're doing it because we have new justices on the Supreme Court. Will this institution survive the stench that this creates in the public perception that the Constitution and its reading are just political acts. I mean, I don't think you could put it any finer than that. So you had Kagan right behind her. I mean, literally followed right behind her in the questioning of the Mississippi Attorney General, who followed through with the same thing and focused on, as did Sotomayor, well, you say there's been advancements in medical science since Casey in 1992 that makes a fetus more viable earlier. What are those advances? And he really double-talked his way through. I listened to the oral argument today, as I know you did. He really double-talked his way through it. He's, well, there's advances, you know. You know, there's 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 things that show that, you know, that there's pain and suffering for, for, for this entity, this whatever it is at prior to 24 weeks or 15 weeks or 12 weeks. And, you know, Sotomayor did a good job saying, you know, there's on recorded science that brain dead people, if you tickle or touch their leg or arm will recoil. Doesn't mean they're alive. It just means that there is a reaction. So she pushed back really hard on any advancements that would make the teachings of Casey and Roe versus Wade change. 
And Breyer came right out of the box and said, Roe and Casey are watershed, landmark cases. There's only been a handful of them in the history of the Supreme Court. And we should not lightly overturn them under very decisive analysis unless there is an overwhelming new thinking that allows us to walk away from that precedent. We should never do it lightly. In fact, there's only been about 12 cases in 250 years in which the Supreme Court has reversed a watershed or landmark case. Now, you're right on point, as usual, Ben, about somebody like Kavanaugh. Hearing Kavanaugh talk, it's he's literally a talking Federalist Society totem. Because I've been hearing for the last 30 years, the Federalist Society argument against abortion is always, let's look at slavery. It's always abortion, direct line to slavery. That slavery, we were wrong as a Supreme Court in the Dred Scott decision, when Dred's, which is, is a black mark on the Supreme Court in our US history, that in the Supreme Court decision of Dred Scott in the 1800s, they ruled that slavery was basically fine. And then of course, it was later overturned, not by a Supreme Court ruling, but by the 13th and 14th Amendment to the Constitution passed by the people and the legislatures. They all, they, and then they also, because they like to get liberals goat, they also talk about Plessy versus Ferguson. Well, Plessy versus Ferguson, for our legal AFers out there, was the original six to three decision of the court that said that separate but equal educational institutions of, high, of uh, public school, blacks going to a black school, whites going to a white school, was fine and constitutional as long as they were equal. And of course, in Brown versus the Board of Education, the Supreme Court said, mm, what were we thinking? That could never be equal, separate could never be equal, and there has to be integration of the public school system. So the conservatives, the radical right wingers, right as I like to call them, the radical right the, the radical right, the supermajority radical right of the Supreme Court loves to use things like Plessy versus Ferguson, slavery, Brown versus Board of Education, public, you know, uh, racism in public education against the abortion argument. So I was not surprised when Kavanaugh, I'm sorry, yes, when Kavanaugh said um, basically, we should be neutral on this issue as a Supreme Court. We should return to neutrality and let the people decide, which is how the Mississippi Attorney General started his oral argument today. Supreme Court, you made a giant mess of things 50 years ago. Just let the people decide, which makes zero sense, Ben, if what we're talking about is a fundamental right to bodily autonomy and integrity and privacy, which is the basis of, of uh, Ruby Wade and Casey. If that is a constitutional right, it is entitled to as much protection as anything in the First Amendment or the Second Amendment. We don't let the states decide whether they're going to abide by the First Amendment. We don't even let the states decide whether they're going to abide by the Second Amendment. So why are we letting 26 states or more make a decision about a woman's right to choose? That's where Kavanaugh's going. The problem is, Gorsuch's only comment or one of his only comments during the oral argument today does not bode well for Roberts being able to drag him over to the side of preserving the right to choose. Gorsuch's comment was a little bit like, well, I don't really see a constitutional right to abortion anywhere in the literal text of the Constitution, which is true. 
but there's lots of things that aren't in the literal text of the Constitution that are considered to be fundamental rights. And he said, he drew his own line in the sand against Justice Roberts. Gorsuch said, I think it's all or nothing. I think we either have an abortion right, constitutionally protected pre-viability under Casey and Roe v. Wade, or we don't. And there's no middle ground. So he's already staking out sort of the anti-Roberts position to be the swing vote. But I don't know where the swing goes. And Popak, even the Roberts position, though, is still against where the precedent is by just preserving the right to choose before that 15 weeks, basically saying, hey, this Mississippi ban, that's okay, But in terms of in terms of an overall kind of ban, in terms of overturning Roe v. Wade, we shouldn't overturn Roe v. Wade here and we shouldn't just totally ban that right at this stage. And then the other radical right justices like Clarence Thomas are saying just abolish the right. It's not a fundamental right. Get rid of the right to choose as a fundamental right. Did it surprise you? And it's a loaded question that Justice Clarence Thomas, who never really asks any questions during oral argument, was the first person to ask a question during this oral argument. So I texted you and your brothers while I was listening to the oral argument. And I said, oh, look at this, Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas, the only justice on the current Supreme Court that was on the court in 1992 for for Casey. So he's been on the court that long and was in the minority, of course, and lost at Casey. But he's made it clear. He has not minced words. He has, in numerous other cases, even cases not dealing with abortion, come out in dissents and in footnotes and said, the the decision in Casey was wrong. There is no constitutional, should be no constitutional right to an abortion. My problem is, he did ask a question. I sort of was smacking my forehead. He did ask a question of the Solicitor General, He didn't think he had a great response to it, but he asked the question about, can you continue to charge a person, a woman who ingests cocaine during pre-viability of the fetus for a crime under your analysis? Can you or can't you? And, you know, he's trying to trap her. And there is an easy answer to that. The answer is up until the point the woman makes the decision to choose, which is up to 24 weeks If she does anything prior to that to harm whatever is growing inside of her, I think the state then on that sliding scale of the state's interest versus the the private woman's interest, I think the state probably takes over and says, you know what, until you make the decision on viability and pre-viability abortion, we don't want you harming yourself or what's growing inside of you. The Solicitor General did not do that. She like swung and missed. And there was a couple of places where I thought she was not as prepared even though she was arguing for the government, an amicus position, as opposed to the Jackson Women's Health and Mississippi lawyers who were arguing as parties in the case on the issue. So I didn't think she did as great as she could have, but I don't, it was a buzzsaw. I don't think you, I, anybody else would have been able to make their way through these agendas. You've got Alito, anti-abortion, take it off the constitutional books. You've got Clarence Thomas, the same. Kavanaugh is obviously the same. That's three. And then you've, you know, you've got Thomas Alito, Kavanaugh. And then the question is on Gorsuch, where does he fit? And he looks like he's leaning that way, uh, leaning towards the, the right, right wing. And Amy Coney Barrett, whose only contribution to today's 
oral argument was, isn't it great that we have safe havens where you could drop your baby off at the fire department? Why do we need abortion? This from a Catholic woman who has like seven children and taught at the University of Notre Dame. So we sort of know it's going to be a really tough nut to crack for Chief Justice Roberts to get Amy Coney Barrett to support an, abo- an abortion, right? So he's got to put all, he's got to train all of his fire on Gorsuch to save any right at all. And it looks like, look, as you said, Roberts is paring the right down so small. It's almost like you could, you know, they want to like uh, drown it in the bathtub. It's such a small right. That's where we are. Absolutely, Popak. Thank you for doing this emergency update. And look, at the end of the day, our listeners might not like what they are hearing, but it's the truth. And elections have consequences. And as we always tell our listeners of Legal AF and on the Midas Touch podcast, you can't just sit there and and take it. You have to do something about it. We have to organize. We have to get out on the streets. We have to make our voices heard through the election process. And I'll tell you what hangs in the balance in the next election as we go into other elections. Our very democracy hangs in the balance. And for those sitting on the sidelines and saying, I don't see the difference between uh, Trump and a Hillary Clinton, let me tell you, this right here is one of those major landmark differences that is going to impact the lives of so many people for the worse, removing a fundamental right. We will keep you updated. Of course, we will talk about this more on this weekend's Legal AF. For those just listening and tuning in to this episode who haven't heard Legal AF, we do a live Legal AF podcast broadcast on YouTube on Saturdays, and then we play the full audio version the next day on Sundays. As we like to say, if it is Saturday, it is Legal AF. If it is Sunday, it is also Legal AF, just not live. And we um, hope you've at least gained information if you don't like what we're saying, but at least learned what took place today. And we'll have further follow-up on this weekend's Legal AF. Thank you, Michael Popak, for joining me this evening. Thank you, Ben.